Welcome back to another episode of the Next Level Minds podcast. For those of you who are tuning in for the first time, this is a podcast dedicated to those who want to reach a next level in their business, personal, or career life. Every other week, I'm blessed to sit down with a fully qualified guest, entrepreneur, content creator, or mover and shaker in their industry and walk through their story of how they have gotten from point A to point B and overcame various adversities along the way. Now, before we get started today, I just wanted to reiterate my main goal, which is to impact over one million people by helping them reach a next level. So if you have not done this already, please take the time to subscribe to Next Level Minds on Apple Podcasts and share this episode with a family member, friend, or colleague who you think will get some value from it. Now, wanted to just go ahead and introduce today's guest, which is Peter Smith. He is the owner of Parallel Business Coaching. Him and I really just walk through the whole topic of side hustles. He drops a lot of value into why a side hustle is important, how to really find a side hustle, how to balance your career and your side hustle, overall networking tips, whether it's digitally or in person. And then he overall just gives a ton of practical advice that you can really start doing today. This is a really amazing episode that I've been really looking forward to. So I wanted to just personally thank each and every one of you for taking the time to tune in to this week's episode of Next Level Minds. And as we like to say here, your mindset is your greatest weapon for the battle of success. Peter, thanks uh, for taking the time, obviously, to sit down on the Next Level Minds podcast. Really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Good to be here. How's uh, how's everything going uh, in Wisconsin? I know you, we were talking off air. It's starting to warm up a little bit and everything. So, yeah, it sure is. We're uh, getting a little bit a little bit of good weather here in Wisconsin, which is nice. I'm looking out the window right now, and uh, with quarantine going on and being in cold weather, uh, those two are two negatives. So happy to get a little bit of warm weather. Uh, but outside of that, uh, things are going really great. Excited for, excited to be on the podcast. Excited to be here and share a little bit about side hustles. Um, and you know, it's it's really just something that I think is super prevalent as we we're moving into uh, kind of a whole new phase of society with everything that's happening around us. So it's it's going to be fun to chat back and forth today for 30, 40 minutes and and get a chance to uh, kind of just share some of my beliefs and share some of my values. Yeah, for sure. And I know you really extremely value side hustles, business ownerships, really that are outside of the typical eight to five. And I know in your LinkedIn profile, you mentioned how fortunate you were to have a mentor at an early age. So, you know, how, how did you get into this space you are now? Kind of just like give the listeners a, a recap of your story. Yeah. So a little bit about my story is I, there's a lot of different ways that you can enter into entrepreneurship or you can enter into a side hustle. You can come up with an idea, you can pursue a certain path. Um, there's, there's, there's really no shortage of opportunities out there. For me, I took a slightly different approach instead of attempting to really scale something from scratch. What I really focused in on doing was actually finding someone who was where I wanted to be in life and finding someone who had already created a successful side hustle because I knew, uh, and we can maybe dive into this as, as we get, get going, um, but I knew I wasn't a super hardcore entrepreneur where I could 
drop everything and start a company from scratch. I actually knew I needed the career to pay the bills, but I had the hustle. I had something that I could do in my spare time. And so by teaming up with somebody, it really took a lot of the guesswork out of it that I think a lot of aspiring or fledgling entrepreneurs run into is that they have to really reinvent the wheel. And because if we have to, you know, for me, I always attested to our education system really teaches us to go out there and, and become an employee and really grooms us for that. So if we don't have the mindset of actually being an entrepreneur, for me, it was, that's really number one. And so I teamed up with several successful entrepreneurs who had scaled side hustles, um, stepped out of corporate America in their 20s and 30s. And then what I was able to do is really team up with them and then actually begin to learn from them on a one-on-one -on -one basis uh, and then have them customize and recommend things to me that uh, allowed me to then scale my side hustles up to about $120,000 in undergrad, um, build out a side hustle coaching business and, and do a few other ventures along the way. Yeah. So you touched on obviously teaming up with entrepreneurs. Like what were those first initial steps? Cause I know for me, at least when I was first getting started, it would be kind of nerve wracking to, to just go up and chat with somebody. I mean, how did you even start that? Yeah, it was a little bit nerve wracking. I was 19 years of age at the time. So it uh, was something that's definitely is, is a little bit unique and was outside of my comfort zone. However, one of the most, uh, what happened for me is, is I actually had an introduction uh, through a roommate of mine in college. So I met my now business coaches through a roommate of mine, and it was a warm lead. It was somebody that uh, was only one layer removed, and I just was kind of aggressive on that front and sort of what I was looking for and wanting to be a part of it. So my, my roommate told me that his, his cousins had scaled successful companies, that they had stepped out of corporate America, that they had built um, things to seven, you know, built companies to seven figures in revenue, um, and they were full-time parents, part-time entrepreneurs. And so I just became a little bit fanatical at that point about trying to meet them. And uh, he ended up actually opening a door to me, and, and long story short, I got a chance to meet them and, and begin to work together. But I would say in terms of tips on that front, it's really taking your time and being aggressive. I see a lot of people be a little bit more passive in their pursuit of finding a person or starting a side hustle because they think they have a lot of time on their hands. And you definitely do, but I didn't want to, I didn't want to go into my thirties, forties and not having built something because I wasn't aggressive enough to develop the right relationships or take the right risk at an early age. Yeah, for sure. So you, you were kind of aggressive with your approach and you, you weren't just one or two casual emails. It was just like, Hey, you know, let me help you out. Can you train me kind of thing? Was that your approach? Absolutely. So it was, um, they had, my business coaches had coached quite a few other individuals. So I was 19. They were coaching a lot of young professionals at the time. So I had kind of odd stacked against me to actually team up with them. Um, but I just really continued to work to impress them and did a lot of things that they recommended I do. And I just kind of sat down and worked, worked to develop a, a deeper relationship with them. So they began to really vest some time back into me. And so for me, uh, that has made 100% of the difference because uh, working with individuals, um, I could really lean on my mind, on their mindset for the first several years of starting a company uh, versus it was all my thinking, which probably would have messed myself up a lot in the beginning. Yeah, for sure. And that's, that's what I really like about the culture that we live in today. I feel like, you know, entrepreneurs that are five, six, seven levels ahead of where you want to be, they're really open to helping you out because they know what it was like to be at that initial starting phase. Do you think that a lot of people like don't have that mindset of people want to help me or, and if they don't have that, like how can they get past the, Oh, they don't want to help me out. 
Yeah, I think a lot of people do have that mindset. Uh, I think there's two different sectors of that. And I'm speaking more from somebody coaching at this phase. Um, people have a people have one or two mindsets, they can either really help you or they can help you in a more passive way. So I wanted to find somebody that had a little bit more of a financial vested interest in me. And so there's maybe different systems out there that you can leverage to do so. Um, however, um, the other way that you can go about doing so is somebody that has maybe a deeper emotional uh, invested interest in you, so a family member who's done something uh, or you know, a close friend who just has a little bit more stake and that you've known a little bit longer. But I would say that that one of the biggest one of the biggest things that all people want, and I think especially successful entrepreneurs, uh, one thing that is a part of their definition of success is really paying it forward or giving it back. Uh, one of my favorite books for this is The Go Giver, but it just talks a lot about the willingness to really pay forward the knowledge, the expertise, the mindset that somebody has. And absolutely, I would say that one of the biggest one of the biggest challenges is that if somebody wants to pay that forward, they're really looking for somebody that wants that. And so in the education system, and I have nothing against the education system. My parents were both teachers. I went to UW-Madison. I loved my time. If I had to go back, I would do college again. Um, but once again, the, if, I don't, if I can just show up to class and my, my teacher can train 100 people or go through their lecture and I don't really have to be present. But if you're really going to look for that type of relationship or that type of partnership, now you have to come to the table really willing to learn and be a little bit more aggressive in your approach. And I don't mean in a weird way of being aggressive, but aggressive from the mindset that you really want to learn. You're really there to uh, maximize the time of the other individual to really pay them respect. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think, I think that mindset can go with mentorship and like you touched on with college. I know for myself, the first couple of semesters, obviously you're a freshman, you're just trying to get by. But I think when I first adopted the mindset in college of like, okay, I'm here to learn, I'm here to build, I'm majoring in business and entrepreneurship, I might as well like show up every single day. So, and when I started doing that, everything just kind of started changing, opportunities started coming. So I definitely, definitely believe that's important. Obviously, I know you touched on when we first started, you know, about side hustles, about how they're important, especially in the age we're in now. I know I follow you on LinkedIn. You have some amazing posts just about how important it is. I mean, just in your opinion, why do you think uh, having a side hustle is so important? Well, first off, I appreciate the compliment. Glad, uh, yeah. glad the LinkedIn content has uh, surfaced around. I think it's more prevalent for a lot of reasons. If you asked me this question three months ago, my, my answer would be totally different. Uh, or not totally different, but different based on the circumstances. However, if we look at the state of society right now, and depending on when you're listening to this podcast, uh, we're in the midst of coronavirus right now. And people are cooped up inside. People are working from home. They may have, and if you lost your job during this time, I, I you know, feel for you. I know that sucks. However, what I believe is going to be really important is that uh, from a side hustle perspective is two things. Number one is it's an ability to diversify your skill sets. Mm. And so if you're younger and when I launched into a partnership with my business coaches, I was fairly young at the time. And one of the big things that I see a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs make the mistake of is, is look too quickly to monetize their business or create this massive net profit and not give themselves the space to learn the right skill sets. So you put all of this pressure on performing, you put all of this pressure to be like in the NBA, but you're picking up the basketball for the first time. 
And so for me, what becomes really important uh, and why I believe so heavily in having a side hustle is number one, uh, you can develop a wide range of new skill sets. So you can really customize that. So somebody can actually come in and take your business away from you. Someone can steal all your money, but nobody can actually steal your skill sets. Like you own those, those are yours. Um, so that is a really important skill or a really important component that I think a lot of times gets overlooked when launching a side hustle is what are the skill sets you're going to learn? What's the confidence you're going to learn? Because now as you develop those skill sets, you develop your communication skills, your leadership skills, your networking skills, those aren't just entrepreneurial. Uh, they don't only fall in that specific category. Those are going to spill over into your career if you're building it as a side hustle, your other relationships, and it's going to make you a much better, well-rounded person. Um, so that's really the first reason. And then the second reason is absolutely uh, for an income stream. I believe that uh, we're seeing that one of, the, one of the scariest things you could do or one of the things that uh, you can really do to mess yourself up is only have one way to make an income going through the 21st century. Mm. And so really being diversifying that and you might not have like this great sense of capital or this great uh, pile of cash that you can go invest in something or throw in the stock market or buy a company or invest into a manufacturing plant to get something off the ground, but work to build an income stream outside of your job. And by teaming up with somebody, now they can custom recommend something to you. And so for me at 19, I didn't know actually how to get started. And I use this example a lot, but by teaming up with somebody, um, or if, I, if Elon Musk called me and he just said, hey, Peter, I want to coach you on how to run a company. One of my last questions is actually going to be, what company are we going to start? Because he's going to find something. He knows how to do it. He started so many, you know, he started quite a few different companies and scaled them out. So for me, it becomes so much more about uh, that relationship and what I'm learning from him. I don't care if we're selling toothpicks or we'll, we're building the next solar city. It's going to be a successful venture and I'm going to learn a lot. So those are the two biggest reasons. Um, and then the last one is uh, a sense of community. So uh, we're seeing that a lot right now. Um, but I think if you build your side hustle in a way that develops a sense of community, a lot of us are realizing how important that is right now. Because um, when we're cooped up inside, and even when, when the country opens back up, a good sense of community and, and uh, individuals that you can really work with and move forward in the right direction uh, is, is really, I think, in a lot of ways what a lot of people are out there searching for um, so that they can be held to a higher standard and continue to elevate their income and continue to elevate their skill sets. Yeah, for sure. So you mentioned diversifying your skill sets. Uh, having a second income stream. And then your other third point was just having that sense of community, right? Exactly. Yeah. And I think another thing too, just in my opinion, that's, that's really cool about side hustles is that, you know, I'm in the eight to five role as well. And it's mm -hmm. when you're working on your side hustle, whether it's a podcast, a baking company, a card flipping, whatever it is, it's you're in control of everything that happens there. And it's such a nice reliever you know, reporting to a boss all day, doing your side hustle and being like, wait, I'm in control here. You know, do you, do you believe that as well? Absolutely. Uh, sense of ownership is huge. Yeah. And one of the big, one of the big things that I wanted back in my life is control over my own time and really the control over this decision-making process. So I am a hundred percent in agreement with you. Yeah, for sure. So is your side hustle uh, solely focused on money or would you say it's a passion project that you're using to diversify skills and just go with something you're passionate about? Yeah, so it's uh, not solely focused on money. Uh, it's definitely become a passion. A lot of what I do is coach other young professionals to now start and scale their own side hustle as well. Um, that has 
really been a pay it forward mentality that I got from my coaches. So in my case, uh, I, I built out a side hustle in the e-commerce space and I wrote an article on LinkedIn. And if you're listening, you want to check it out, feel free to feel free to go to my LinkedIn profile and check out uh, practicality of a side hustle. Um, but practicality of a side hustle is really just talking about, look, there's so many different ideas out there. And if you're between the ages of 19 and 35, now what happens is you're really, you could potentially be very limited on certain resources. You could be limited on the amount of time that you can invest because you have a, you know, intense job or you have kids or you have all of these other extraneous activities. Um, now, or you could be very limited on income and the money you have at your disposal. So for me, what I recommend doing is starting as a first side hustle is something that's practical. Um, so for me at 19, e-commerce and using uh, some vetted out systems made a lot of sense mm -hmm. because I didn't have to now build something from scratch. And so in my case, uh, by using that, I wasn't super passionate about e-commerce. Like e-commerce wasn't my uh, deep desire to do for the long run, but it allowed me to now flex on some of those passions that I had, which was getting into entrepreneurship, which was coaching others, um, which was, you know, building something of my own. Um, so it's definitely a hybrid of the two. I think no matter what your side hustle is, there should be some element of you monetizing it. Um, there might be a period of time where you're not monetizing it because you're getting the foundation built but definitely get paid for what you're worth. And if it's something that you really love, um, you can definitely, somebody's going to want to buy it and they're going to understand the, or someone's going to want to partner up with you and you're, they're going to understand the value and the passion that you have behind it. And um, I think the other thing too is when you, if you go too heavy into passions, what could happen sometimes is that your passion could very quickly not become something that you like to do. Uh, eight hours a day or even four hours a day. So the nice thing about doing something as a first side hustle that I had never actually experienced before is that I figured out the passion as I went. I developed a passion for it versus leaning on the passion to get started. Uh, I heard somebody say one time, they just said, you know, if you love uh, snowboarding, which I do, and uh, you had to snowboard every day for 50, day, 50 weeks out of the year from eight to five with a one hour lunch break, would it still be your passion at the end of it? I was like, I don't know. I, maybe, maybe not. I, I don't know if I'll ever have the opportunity to do that in my life and snowboard for 50 weeks. Um, but I think passions are a great way to start, but I don't think they're the only way to start. Mm, yeah, that's a really good point. I like what you mentioned too about the uh, the snowboarding example. Like if you had to do the snowboarding like a, a eight to five with a one hour lunch break, would you really like it? Yeah. Yeah. So within that, I think, are you a believer that you find your passion uh, just from trying different experiences? Because I know on my end, you know, I didn't, I still obviously am trying to find my passion. We're both so young, but I've gotten mm -hmm. a lot closer to finding what I love just by, you know, starting two side hustles, having another career, doing all this stuff with a podcast, networking. Like, do you think you get that from these, those type of experiences? Absolutely. And I think it continues to evolve over time. So my passion today is probably going to be very different than my passion, quote unquote, is going to be in five years. And again, in five years after that, because different circumstances change in my life. And so just because your passions change doesn't necessarily mean that your focus has to change. And so that's why I'm a, I'm a big, big believer in uh, reverse engineering your life and just making sure you're using the right vehicle to get where you're wanting to go. So what I as I look to potentially onboard somebody into partnership with me, um, what I just ask them is I want them to be very real with themselves about the vehicle that they're using to create income. And so what I tell them is, look, if you're sitting there and you're, you know, potentially employed or you're starting a small business, 
Um, I just want you to know that I want you to know that you're going to end up at the end destination that you want. So if you're sitting in uh, if you're sh- sitting in Charlotte, North Carolina right now, and your goal is to get to Hawaii, but you pick a vehicle of using a, a really nice quarter million dollar Ferrari, now you're probably just not going to end up at your end destination. But if you buy a plane ticket, which is probably pretty cheap right now or probably non-existent with that uh, coronavirus, uh, you'll get to your end destination a lot cheaper and a lot quicker. So I think what happens sometimes is that, uh, you know, if you potentially pursue your passions or not, it's not a passion thing. It's knowing you're in the right vehicle so that you're happy and that you have a sense of fulfillment from the end result that you create and you know you're on the right trajectory. Um, And then be okay with letting your passions really change over time. Because at 19, uh, I was, you know, I was in college. There, are, there were very different passions. When I was growing up, my only passion was hockey. So mm. they were in sports. And so those change over time, um, but create something that you can really build for the long term. Yeah, for sure. That's a really good point you mentioned too about them, cha- uh, your passions changing over time. You know, I didn't even realize that fully, but obviously your mindset's different when you're 18 versus 25 versus 35 versus 40. So I think it's being open to that change, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what, what, um, I know obviously you've really gotten a side hustle space around, you know, 18, 19, what are just some like failures you've had along the way, whether it's e-commerce or stuff with LinkedIn or just coaching? Yeah. Yeah. A ton actually. (laughs) Um, and, and nothing like grandiose that I lost a million dollars or I, uh, you know, crashed my car or something like that. But it was a lot of subsequent little failures of building up my communication skills. Mm. So it was really being willing to have conversations with people and fumble through a conversation to explain what I was doing or potentially uh, as I was having conversations with somebody who also had an interest in a, in a side hustle. Um, and when I was looking to onboard them, you know, really fumbling through those conversations but it was through that process that I really learned a sense of communication and that I still continue to learn a sense of communication and develop that skill set. So unfortunately, um, one of the big challenges that I had to rewrite was I came from a, a family, I was okay with this due to sports, but I came from a family where my parents were both teachers. So if I, got, if I ever came home with anything less than a B in school, really an A, uh, that was a failure. But uh, if, you, if you go through school and you go through a semester and you get all Fs, at the end and you, and you study and you get a A on the exam, you ace the final exam, you're still going to fail that course. But if you go through life and you continue to fail and fail and fail and fail and you learn from those failures and then you ace something, you're now not judged on all the failures that you have. Those are actually held in high esteem because you've built something and you've built a skill set. Um, so some personal failures that I had along the way was, I mean, I just figuring things out at 19 years of age. I was a broke college student. I had $500 to my name. And uh, trying, to get, trying to get a venture off the ground, I'd had to do some wild and crazy things. So I invested into some resources that didn't make sense. Uh, you know, and, and being 19, your focus changes. So that was, there was actually a period of time where I was not super focused on my, uh, on my ventures. And I actually lo- almost lost the relationship that I began to develop with my business coaches. I was, I was 20 years old. I was just having fun in college. But then I kind of realized, look, like, I've had my fun in college. I know I'm going to, I know I want to do something. So that's really where I got serious. Um, but I could probably write a book with the specific failures uh, that have happened. Uh, I've been trying to keep a log of some of them because those are really the, those are really the teaching points and the learning points. And people relate more to the failures that you have in life versus just the um, successes that you have. 
it's it, it opens up your vulnerabilities it, it be it lets people really enter into your life um so realize that when you're going into entrepreneurship that there is you're opening the door to also let those failures into your life mm. so for me there were different relationships that ended as a result of it um because people didn't see eye to eye with me um there were different um you know, there were different financial challenges that I had, but I, I realized like, look, if I pick up the, if I want to play the sport of the football, I now can't complain when I get hit and when I get a concussion, like that's just part of the game. And so, so I'm not saying not trying to paint a bleak picture, but part of the reason why a lot of people don't want to start a company, but then maybe even get one started and then struggle to scale it is because they didn't account for all of the struggles or challenges that came along the way. And to be honest, those are what makes entrepreneurship so fun. Yeah, for sure. And it's it's learning from those failures. I like I like that you write them down and kind of keep a keep a log. So if you're going through another failure, whether it's similar or not, you can kind of look back, laugh at the situation, and see how you built from it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So I wanted to touch on your article, uh, practicality of a side hustle. Uh, I really saw, got a lot of value of it, and I know I'll put it in the show notes as well because I definitely want the listeners to to read it as well. But you know, starting off question wise with that, you mentioned just balancing side hustles and everything. I mean, how do you personally think that people should balance side hustles if they're in a eight to five career? Let's say they actually get off at six just because they're trying to do follow up emails and dinner, grocery shopping, errands. Like, how do you balance everything? Yeah, uh, this this could be a this could be a two hour topic we could dive into and dissect yeah. it. Uh, but there's a lot of different. It starts so ten thousand foot view is know your priorities. So number one, if you're looking to start a venture, this really depends on where you're at. Um, if you're looking to start a venture, you now have to assess your calendar and figure out what items are not going to get you to where you want to go. And so um, if you're a part of, if you're trying to build a side, a side hustle and you're part of four softball leagues, now that might just be a big challenge to build a side hustle or do anything right outside of that because there's two hours that's tied up in your, tied up in your evening and your time is super valuable at that point. Now, I'm not saying don't stop doing those things, but does it make sense to maybe drop to one time per week or put that on the shelf for a little bit so that you can get your foundation built? Potentially. Mm -hmm. So that's that's number one is assessing what's on your calendar and just figuring out some items that you might need to clear some junk out of. So doing some house cleaning. Uh, second thing is then just being really uh, setting good boundaries. So your, your time, once again, is super limited when you're building a side hustle. So you have to take into, into account what your personal situation is. So what's your commute time? What's your lunch time? How long do you have to be at the office? Like, What's your commute time home? And uh, do you have kids? There's a lot of different factors that now play into this. One of the levels up that I had at 19, and I believe I still do at this day, is um, you know being not having kids, and not, and being, but being in a serious relationship. Um, I have certain responsibilities to that, but it's not very intense. It's not as intense as somebody who has a family and a home. So I tell people getting started that one of the best things you can do is figure out how to live simply and mm -hmm. figure out how to live humbly. I don't need, you don't need to be a minimalist, but it's actually a really good thing to look at to see how you can minimize certain aspects of your life um, so that you keep the most important thing, the most important thing. Beyond that, uh, some things that you can do is really work to um, perform in your career. 
Um, because here's the, here's the big challenge that if you're going to perform, if you want to perform in your side hustle, but now you're not performing in your career, you're going to carry a lot of that with you in your evenings and weekends when you're going to build your career or build your business. Mm. So I wanted to perform at my job. I wanted to be someone who was up for promotions that was actually, uh, you know, going above and beyond so that if my, if I ever had to do something for my business critical, uh, during the day, there was some equity built up with the company. Um, from a relationship standpoint that I could draw on that equity to go do something that I needed to do. Um, and then beyond that, I mean, like I said, I could go, I could go on and on, but have structured hours, know what you're going to do. You've always heard plan out your schedule. I mean, that's just so remedial. I'm not even going to go into it, but have structured hours in your evening and know when you best work. So I work really well. Uh, there's a period of time right after work where I just need to like decompress a little bit. And then I'll work for a couple hours, I'll have some dinner, hang out. And then I also really work well from the hours of like 11 to 1 in the morning. So there's a lot of time um, that you can really leverage in the evening um, if you're willing to lose a couple hours of sleep during the week, but be willing to uh, figure that out along the way and be willing to continue to uh, you know, reevaluate that as you go. Um, but I just realized when I grew up, I went to school. I had homework. I also played sports. So my sport was my side hustle and I had homework and I had to eat dinner and I had to do all of these other things. And I was able to fit it all in. Mm. It was because it was a priority and I wanted to make it happen. So a lot of times people look for a technique, like a technicality or a technique to figure out how do I make this all work? When really, if you have the desire and the drive is there, you're going to figure it out. It's going to be a mess. It's never going to be perfect, um, but you're going to figure it out as you go. Yeah, I like what you mentioned about the structured hours. I think you and I confirmed this episode. You messaged me back at like one fifteen in the morning on a Wednesday or something. I was like, damn, okay. you're still up. Or so. <laughs> yeah, so that makes more sense now that you say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's why that came back, came through a little late. Yeah, and I think uh, I think going back to what you mentioned about living simply, like I don't think you need to be a, min- a minimalist like you mentioned, but I think it's being aware of your expenses. You know, do you really have to order DoorDash five times a week or do you really have to go buy that $20 bottle of wine when you can buy a $12 bottle of wine and sell- save eight bucks, you know? So I think mm-hmm. you can find that happy medium. And, you know, I think unfortunately sometimes people think like, oh, it's either minimalist or I'm balling out and going out to eat all the time. You know, I think you definitely should try to find that happy medium. Absolutely. Yeah. It's minimalist around money and minimalist also not around and a little bit around things, but just the way that you humbly live your life. So the, the $20 bottle line, $12 bottle line, if you're having a good date night, go that route, but don't make stupid car decisions, like car decisions of buying a brand new car versus a used car. There's, I mean, that's a whole nother podcast you could talk about, but there's just a lot of things that will trip you up that then takes your focus away and puts a lot of stress around your car payment. Yeah. And then just taking out loans like that, you know, it's more just burdens that you have, whether that you can't invest back into your business. Cause now you have a expensive mortgage, you have a car payment, higher insurance. So def- that could be a whole rabbit hole. We could definitely go down though. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so you touched on this earlier about just finding your idea. I know a lot of listeners out there are just very, you know, intrigued with entrepreneurship and side hustles. I mean, what would you say just kind of recapping again, what we mentioned just to go ahead and get started of finding your idea? Yep. Um, so if you're going to go the idea route, uh, which is something I did in a, in a different side hustle where I built out a little bit more in, in actually helping folks refinance student loans and navigate their student loan process, uh, is find something that, that is a passion. Uh, find something that is, is a uh, potentially that's, that's viable, that 
allows you to play within the confines that you have at your disposal. So I don't want to build a product that I now had to pat had to patent and I now had to bring to market and I had the venture capital I go get venture capital for because I just didn't have that in my arsenal to start as a first company. So mm-hmm. when you're getting started, and I'm gonna actually take this a half step back if, if you're cool with it, instead of talking about the idea, is figure out to go a little bit more around the practicality of the first company, is figure out what you can do at your disposal. So that's why I went the route of teaming up with folks. Um, but I also want to talk about the mindset here because I think a lot of people theoretically know this, but then when they apply it to their life, they don't actually apply it. And what that is, is your first company does not have to be your last company. Mm -hmm. I used this example before Elon Musk. Uh, I talked about him earlier, but his flash, his first company was not SpaceX. His first company, I believe was zip two. Then he built PayPal. Then he built several others. And now he obviously built Tesla, SpaceX, solar city, the boring company. So he's used those as a stepping stone to get to where he wants to go. So if you're out there and you're trying to figure it out, start small. Look, you don't need to build the next Apple tomorrow. But if your goal, if you're in 30 grand of student loan debt like I was, now your goal is to make an extra 30 grand. That's not a million dollars a year. You don't need to hire on a bunch of employees. You can make 30 grand by flipping some things, by selling stuff out of your house. Uh, So start small and begin to develop the drive. Because what happens is when you start to take action, you're now gonna, in some weird way in the universe, you're gonna start to network with those individuals and you're gonna attract those type of people into your life. And as a function of that, you're really gonna begin to to develop some good relationships that are gonna help you take that, if you started flipping things on eBay or a different Facebook marketplace, you're not gonna meet somebody in some capacity, I believe, that you're gonna put yourself in uh, in the right environment to now take the next step. And so I think a lot of times, it's not a proven path, like when you go to school, you get, all right, take biology 101, then biology 102, then biology 202, then biology 203. There isn't that fundamentally in entrepreneurship, but I believe that comes through the action. And so if you're willing to take, I would say actually take a lot less pressure off what your idea is and think about something that with what you have at hand, you can scale out to create net profit. And so I think as an example, um, I'll ask a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs, they'll maybe message me. Uh, I had somebody actually message me recently and he goes, I have this idea for a company. And he goes, can I share it with you? And uh, he talked about developing an app and potentially looping in celebrities and doing a lot of different things. It was pretty, you know, it was a pretty grandiose idea, kind of a cool idea. So I messaged him back and I just said, look, I'm actually really impressed with your idea. But my question for you is, have you ever scaled a company or ever scaled a venture? Or do you actually know how to code? And he said, no, I don't know how to do any of those things. I've actually, I've been a part of a startup. I've worked for one. Um, And he was a little bit younger. So I just said, look, here's some of the challenges that you might run into. If you don't know how to code and you're uh, finishing up your undergraduate degree, how are you going to hire somebody? Mm. How are you now going to go, like, how are you going to get celebrities on your app? How are you going to now get sponsorships? How are you going to now deal with all of the bug fixes that come as a result? And this is from my software background, but there's a lot of bugs that are going to happen when you get a release uh, of an app. So how are you going to deal with all of that in the long run? And he came back, he's like, you know what, those are really good points. And so try and think, don't just think about mile one, think about like mile three, four, five, and six as you're trying to start your venture. And that's why getting around folks that have already done it can really help you, um, can really help you navigate that minefield a little bit. 
Yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, and, and shout out to you, obviously, for, for messaging him back and just giving him some advice. I think that even that little small gesture goes back to making an impact on people. That could have completely pivoted like his life right there, just taking the time to message back. Um, so mm-hmm. big shout out there on your end. Appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. And I think I really liked your point there of just starting small. I mean, have you scaled a business? Have you you know, adopted users? Have you taken the time to, to see what it's like if you need to, to, to hire software developers? And I think you can start that small by even just trying to like flip them, flip some things on eBay and everything too. So that's a really good point you made there. Um, obviously you mentioned relationships are super important and networking and everything. I mean, what's your strategy kind of outside of COVID? Cause I know you're not really supposed to, to be <laughs> six feet with people, but, uh, what's your strategy when there's not coronavirus here to kind of just have proper networking? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually a big uh, fan of networking on LinkedIn, uh, number one. So COVID or not, I believe it's, I mean, it's open 24 seven mm-hmm. and it gives you access to a lot of individuals from a lot of different backgrounds. Um, you know, I'll go to some networking events here in Madison, but a lot of times it's like the same, same folks and same individuals. So for me, my strategy is really to, to look to develop and cultivate relationships. I mean, friendships and, and um, through work, through uh, people that we meet here in Madison, just out and about. But a lot of a lot of uh, you know professional relationships have really been developed or cultivated through LinkedIn, and so I think one of the biggest things right now you know with COVID is that um, people are realizing whether they're an introvert or an extrovert how deeply they need other people and how deeply they they lose that sense of community and relationship when you're shelter in place. Mm. And so one of the things that I've been talking with, you know, folks that I, you know, work with and coach is, is just be a blessing in other people's lives as you're out there and networking, especially in this time, uh, specifically with COVID that reach out to an old high school friend, like see how they're doing, have a zoom call um, and develop the skill set of networking there. And then the other aspect is, is as you're beginning to develop and, and network on, on LinkedIn or you're using some other tactics, is just be a real person, be authentic and be yourself and, um, you know, really invest into the relationship. Um, I think the, uh, the other thing is, is as an aspiring entrepreneur, sometimes if you go into the mindset of like sales, 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 now you have this very short-term transactional mindset surrounding what you're looking to create versus a little bit more long-term of cultivating a relationship. So there's people that I've met on LinkedIn that I've been in passive dialogue with for the last 18 months. And there's been a little bit of a relationship and I cultivated a relationship there um, due to the fact because I like, I genuinely liked them. I think they genuinely liked me. At least I have to believe so or else they won't keep talking to me for 18 months. Um, so, so be a real human and, and really show people that you care. And I think that this time in our, in our society is one of the best times that we can do so with everything happening um, because people are really looking, looking to others. They're missing that sense of, of uh, human connection. And it's going to be a good reminder once everything blows over that uh, networking is not weird. And so when you go into entrepreneurship, realize that, that some people go into the mindset that like talking to other people is weird or networking is weird, but it's totally not. Like if you're dating somebody else, you did not know them when you were born, likely, unless you were born in the same hospital in some, you know, imagine mm-hmm. some crazy way. When you went to college, you had to network to make friends. When you did, you did all these things. So when you're starting a company, be willing to network, be willing to get outside of your comfort zone because it's it's weird. I didn't, I didn't like it at first, but now I get really energized by meeting new people. Yeah. I really like your points there. I like, 
I think my old version of entrepreneurship and starting a company was, you know, being locked in a room with, you know, a pot of coffee till two or three in the morning, having your phone off. Uh, and then I, you know, started to have this perspective shift, kind of what you were touching on of like, wait, I think true entrepreneurship is actually networking and building that community because, you know, one thing leads to another, you know, you and I connected on LinkedIn. That would have probably never happened if you and I weren't both producing content and everything too. So I definitely think that just goes back to how important it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I know like people have asked me too. I'm sure they've asked you as well. Like, oh, how did you meet this person? Or how did you get in touch? Or how do you find guests? And it's all just like putting yourself out there. Do you agree with that? I 100% agree. And some people aren't going to pick up the ball and run with it, right? Yeah. And um, I'm not saying that you become immune to that over time. I think that like when you network, there's always that space of you like you're as human beings, we're emotional creatures. So like be okay with like letting that happen. Be okay with people potentially letting you down, but don't carry that with you and let that go a little bit. Like you're going to feel emotions. Uh, there's a huge emotional roller coaster of entrepreneurship. There's a huge emotional roller coaster of networking. Um, but you sign up for that and then just be really willing to like navigate and learn how you operate best and maybe time that you need to, if something like that happens uh, to jump back on the horse. Yeah, for sure. I completely agree. If you had to describe your one word for like the success you've had in your journey so far, what would that be? I'd like to say humility. Mm. Um, I'd like to say in a sense that uh, from a humility standpoint is that, you know, there's been different areas of my life, different goals that I've hit financial wise, you know, things that I'm very proud of. Um, you know, there's been different, um, you know, sizes of companies that I've been able to scale out. Um, you know, different goals with relationships, uh, with my family, and there's been a lot of things, but I think at the end of the day, just realize when you enter into entrepreneurship, you have to be a little bit selfish and then like the nicest way that if you're selfish and that if you're, if you're willing to, if you really believe in what you do and you believe that what you're going to do is an, is going to create an impact in others, then being selfish is actually selfless. So as you're cutting this podcast and you're putting together this whole podcast, right? It's like, you taking time out in the morning uh, at 1130 Eastern time to talk with me is kind of a selfish thing to do, but it's actually super selfless because hopefully this now is something that other people can get value from and you create an impact with. So carry a sense of humility with you and realize that no matter at what phase of life that you're at, no matter what level of quote unquote success that you had, um, either you will either humble yourself or life will humble you. So humble, keep, keep a sense of humility, keep a sense of coachability, and um, you're going to develop more and more confidence as you go through. But, but for me, it's been a, hopefully a, a walk of humility um, with the ability to also challenge folks to, to really figure out what they want in life. Ah, I love that. I can definitely tell you're passionate about that too, just with uh, the way you message people back on uh, LinkedIn, the way you're just always producing content, the articles you write. So just kind of wanted to say thank you there for just being there for the overall entrepreneurial community. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, Peter, what's next on, on your plate? I know you guys, are, you're doing a lot of work with the coaching and everything. Kind of just, I'll let the floor uh, be yours for a second on that. Yeah, what's really next is, is kind of taking that, that company and scaling it out. So scaling it out even further. So at this point, um, you know, my, my goal for the next about, uh, over the next about two or 18, 24 months to scale up my e-commerce and coaching businesses to about a quarter million dollars in revenue. Um, so that's going to take some hustles or a little bit of lofty goals for me, but, um, and, and especially with, with having a full-time job. So those are some of the big goals that I have kind of professionally. Um, and so I'm excited to do that. And I'm excited for the change and the, and the, uh, 
challenge that it's going to bring personally, because it's going to require me to, you know, really go through a lot of different things and really, uh, you know, have some different challenges in my life, life which I'm excited for. Uh, outside of that, personally, uh, once uh, once COVID opens back up, uh, hoping to, to get some more travel in um, over the next 18 months, uh, looking to uh, to get married as well, uh, looking to get engaged here shortly. Um, so definitely a lot of goals coming up here. And what I would say to anybody is, look, if, if you're listening to this during COVID or non-COVID, just like set some goals to work towards. I was uh, talking to a lot of my business partners last night, uh, individuals that I coach, and sure, have the, have the goal of like buying a jet. I don't really care. Like that's not necessarily one of my goals right now. Uh, but have something that's like near and dear and true to you as you're like, I, I don't believe anybody jumps out of bed in the morning and then like is ready to go and is like, I'm ready to take on the day uh, and is like smiling. If you do, I think that's crazy. Uh, <laughs> but I don't, I don't believe anybody's actually able to do that. I like sleep too much. Um, but yet, if you're building a side hustle, you need something in your life that like emotionally pulls you away from your distractions to be able to scale a company for at least two hours a day. And if you're going to, if your goal, if you're 30 grand in student loan debt, like I was, if you're, uh, you know, working a job, if you're, you know, have the, you're driving not a nice car, the jet wasn't necessarily going to pull me away from that because it was just way too far off. It was way too grandiose, but getting out of student loan debt pulled me. Now, uh, other goals like potentially, you know, scaling back uh, and stepping out of corporate America in the next two to five years, that drives me because it's tangible and it's something that's unique to me. So do it for yourself. That selfishness is really going to spill over and you're going to be able to, um, as a result of that, it's going to, it's going to drive you to scale your company and once again, expand your impact, expand your reach. Yeah, for sure. I, I like what you mentioned about the, uh, <clears throat> that's really cool. Just near and dear to your heart. I know myself, I can get trapped sometime of thinking about the jet or thinking about the nice house on the water. And then I'm like, that's so far away where you can kind of lose some of that emotional connection. But I think having that closer goal is like really cool and something that I definitely am going to start to try to do more myself. Awesome. Yeah. So man, thanks again, obviously for, for taking the time to, to sit on the podcast. Um, really appreciate the, the time you've spent today and obviously giving all this value to the listeners. Uh, where's the best place for everyone to connect with you? We've alluded to it all show, but definitely LinkedIn. Uh, I post a yeah. lot of content there. Uh, I'm working on some other platforms. I mean, I'm active on all the other platforms, but that's where I keep a lot of my stuff for side hustles just because it's the most appropriate. And so definitely reach out. Uh, reach out um, if you're in the space where you're looking to start a side hustle, you don't know where to start. Um, I'm a big believer in, in uh, networking, as I've talked about. And if I'm somebody who can open some doors to you and potentially help you get to that space and, and you know, open the pathway to different relationships I've cultivated in my life, that's great. If I can make a recommendation uh, on what to potentially do, that's awesome. If uh, I can't do anything at all, but you say hi, I appreciate that as well, because I believe that, um, you know, if you're out there listening and hopefully you took some value out of this, that uh, I'd love to, I'd love to network or connect in some capacity and LinkedIn's just a phenomenal tool to do so. And it also give you a little bit of a deeper feel for who I am and some of the, some of the beliefs that I have through the content that I share. Yeah, for sure. I'll, uh, I'll definitely put your LinkedIn uh, profile in the show notes. So, you know, I know people are lazy. They don't want to type everything in. So they'll yeah. just have to click on it and be good to go from there. There you go. There you go. Cool, man. Well, I really appreciate your time today, brother. Absolutely. It was, uh, it was good to be here and thanks for, thanks for inviting me on. I look forward to, uh, look forward to tuning into future, uh, future episodes as well. Of course. Thanks. Well, that's it guys. Thanks again for tuning into this week's episode of next level minds. 
please take the time to connect with Peter on LinkedIn. He's definitely got some amazing, very practical content that he's pushing out there. And also, as a quick reminder, the Next Level Minds podcast is there to help you all reach a next level in your business, personal, or career life. So feel free to make a review on Apple Podcasts. Let me know what you think. Let me know what I can improve on. Again, this show is here for each and every one of you. And as another reminder, your mindset is your greatest weapon for the battle of success. 